Hello everyone, welcome to Sakuma Podcast. It's Nico here and I'm so excited to tell you that I've got a special guest today and she's going to take us through to her journey. Please can you introduce yourself and tell us where you are and what you do. Hi Nico, yeah, my name is Roren Masia Mponera. Um, today I'm joining from Coventry because this is where I live now, but I'm originally from Malawi. Um, I have a son um, and a daughter-in-law, but they live in Malawi. Okay, thank you again, Lauren, for joining me here today. Um, I think everybody's going to be excited. I've been waiting for this for some time. We'll, we'll talk about um, getting together on the podcast before, but because we're living in this busy world, and the time was really difficult to uh, to get it right. But today we're here, so I'm so excited um, that this moment has happened, and we're here. And I think my first question will be, how long have you been writing, and how far are you going, and how was the journey? What's the behind this drive of writing these powerful poems? My background is public health, so it's not into um, writing as in creative writing and stuff. But in 2018, I did a course in journalism, one-year course, um, which was like a bridging course for journalists, people who are in exile as journalists. I'm not a journalist, but at the time I had the urge to, I wanted to write stories for my community. So I applied for um, the program by London College of Communication, which was a year long. So I was going to London College of Communication just to learn some basic skills about writing different things in journalism, like as in uh, radio, as in articles, as in yeah, videos and all sorts of stuff. Um, so after that, I wrote a few blogs and all of this in different uh, platforms. But for writing poetry, I mainly started in June 2020 during the Fiji week. Yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah, so one of the artists here in Coventry, Laura Nyahuye, she's originally from Zimbabwe, but she's settled here in Coventry now. She asked me to write about um, what I use as my mantra, God, I love my son. Uh, so when she saw that, she said, what does it mean? So I wrote a story about it and she said, okay, can we make a video, which we did. And when she was showing it online, people, some people who were commenting, we said, oh, that poem was really good so for me it gave me kind of like something to work with because I didn't write that as a poem I was just writing whatever came into my head putting down what really God I love my son means and when people were mentioning poem 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 I thought okay I, I will need to explore about poem so I started writing like poem and I remember the first poem apart from God I love my son which I said I was just writing but the first one that I was kind of like, now, okay, let me try this poetry thing that people are talking about. It's the poem called, um, We Will Not Be Silenced. So when I wrote that poem, which was also experiences of um, like collective 
experiences of asylum seekers in this country during the pandemic. And mainly that time when I wrote, we will not be silenced. I was having chats with people who were in, in what were they calling them? Not hotels, but they were like former yeah. camps. So, so you know? refugee camps or yeah, detention. No, they were keeping them in camps. Let me just check the because in that. Barracks, yeah. Oh, barracks, oh yes, yes <laughs> barracks. Yes, yeah, yeah I, I forgot the name. Yeah, so I, had I remember to... that one. Yeah. Yes, yes. So at the time, I was having you know conversations with people who are in barracks and and all of this. So this poem, yeah, was inspired by a lot of things that I was hearing at the time, but as well as also reflecting on my own experiences. Yeah. So in short, I started writing poetry in twenty twenty. Wow, that's amazing. Me, I thought it was like way back like the 90s or so because this this book is really when you read it if you don't know i'll tell at least the uh, someone's been writing for a while yeah uh, it's good oh thank you so because during the pandemic uh much as it was a very challenging time for all of us the world over but i think it also brought in a number of opportunities so I used to join events from Eventbrite almost every single day. Like I'll be busy with my own other stuff, but I'll make sure that I attend some form of workshop. So then I'll join something that are free. Some things will be very awkward time, like 1am because maybe the, the organizers are based in the US or wherever they are. But if I'm interested in what they are, uh, they are offering then i would attend so it has been like a very intense kind of like learning and producing material so the poems that you see in this book are were written between 2021 2022 yeah so i just picked i wrote a lot but i just picked some that i could publish oh great work there lauren thank you again um i'm just looking at your book right now I can see there's a comment from a famous comedian, Tom Green. He says, powerful, beautiful, and moving. He's talking about your poems. And it's really, really... Um, those who don't know Tom Green, Tom Green, he works with refugees and asylum seekers by giving them a stage to perform, uh, to, yeah, to learn and to do stand-up comedy. So for you, Lorraine, I think we are very lucky to actually work with him or met him. I thought you were part of the group as well because he ran a group called No Direction Home. I thought we were part of the group on 2019. No, I had not started. I started during the pandemic. That's when we... So our training mainly was via Zoom because it was uh, during lockdown time. But uh, yes, I did some gigs online, a few. But later on, I also did some physical ones here in Coventry as well as... Uh, outside of Coventry. The last one, I think I was in Devon. Um, maybe, when was it? Uh, b before August, so it's it's been a while. Mm. As I said, I'm so excited from the beginning to have you here on the podcast because I want to tell you something. Uh, it takes me some time to understand how to write a poem and how to read a poem because I was like, really didn't understand it much. But now um, I meet lots of poets and lots of stand-up comedians, and lots of writing, and I get to enjoy poems and 
I don't, I don't write much myself. But I was lucky um, years back in Glasgow, I was hosting a poet night, poetry night, like every two weeks. Or it was really good to meet all these best, amazing people writing and stuff. So I'm kind of um, enjoying poems. And yeah, so thank you again for joining me. It was really, it's really, really great. It can be hard if you are not uh, making an effort to understand what, it, yeah, what these poems are about. But once you start, it's just like comedy. I never used to enjoy much when people are laughing. I'm like, what are people laughing about? I couldn't get it. But <laughs> but later on, I was like, when I started paying attention, I was like, oh my god, I think I I need to be. I need to be laughing more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So poetry, I feel like it's also the same. Most of the times we say, I, I don't understand, maybe because we haven't really sat down with it. But mm. otherwise, I think from the moment I discovered it, I thought I feel like, oh my God, this is what I have been missing all this time. It's, it's so good. And most poems are so deep. And then that story that goes on in the poem i'm like wow yeah so for me i always feel a poem when i read a poem i feel it i hear it from you lauren because you wrote it is all your poems has something to do with your personal life if so why oh yeah yeah um almost all poems in this book (laughs) most of it are personal experiences this the yes there is bits about you know collective experiences but most of them are personal experience so the limbo land which talks about maybe we need to read it and then we can we can talk about it do you want me to read read it it? yes lauren you read it you wrote it and i'm sure the audience will be excited they're excited to hear your voice and your amazing poem please read us limbo In limbo land of asylum seeker, I dwell. My beloved landlord, the home office, holds my key to work office. Day after day for seven years, I wait. They haven't forgotten me. They call me when they wish. They control me like a marionette, dancing to sushing sounds of letters dropped through the door and to text telling me to report or do something else. I'm like a baby they don't want, called far too young to do errands, never brought to the dining table nor celebrated, the key of my coming of age being held tightly in their hands. My breath is controlled by the footsteps outside my room, waiting for my name to be called for a transition to... I don't know where. I spend too much time in my room, afraid that outside I'll betray my fears and let everyone see my silent tears. I have a life, but it's not mine. It's controlled by an amorphous office that decides what I do and do not do. I'm not shackled, but my mind is. Locked in the eternal battle of when shall this nightmare end? 
I wonder which shall come first, the loss of my breath or that of my mind. It's so hard living in Limboland. Thank you. Yeah, thank you too, uh, Lauren, for reading the poem here. It's really, really amazing. But there's one thing I wanted to talk to you about. Um, it's just a discussion on here, because I know you wrote something about refugees as well, the poems towards that. There's this new term nowadays they call people lived experience, which means I understand what that means, but I don't understand what it really means. I know, and I mean, it's been used a lot by refi- um, people work with refugees and charities and projects. I find it like personally, I'm I'm a one of the volunteers or service users in these projects sometimes and lived experience, of course, I do. But I find it like there's so much pressure they're putting on us nowadays. Oh, we want, uh, we're looking for lived experience people to come and do this and that and that. But you're not getting anything back from that, you know. So I'm not complaining. I'm not saying these projects, they're not doing works. They're doing fantastic jobs. They're doing fantastic work. They really uh, work hard to support refugees and asylum seekers. But there's something missing, in my own opinion. Our time needs to be valued. We need to be, uh, com- what's called, um, yeah, treated like a, a, a society, uh, to feel like you're part of the community, not the part of the problem. Not you're the one who have to come and solve the problem. But of course, because you have a lived experience. I think it's a bit um, misinterpreted there. It needs to be fixed. In my own opinion, I think if you want me to be on Zoom line for your whatever the call is for four hours, please, please, let's be honest. Take that, um, do something about it. You know, I mean, you know, some of our people, refugees, asylum seekers, they don't have any support at all. No internet money coming up, nothing. And you know, I mean, I'm not pointing any fingers to any project or any organization. I'm just raising awareness that it is an issue now. So I just want to hear your thought on that, Lauren. You, yeah, you remind me of uh, a talk I gave at the Migrant Help Conference in 2021. I touched mm-hmm. on how lived experience is not valued. Much as we want to talk about it, but it's not valued where people, most of the times, they don't want to compensate you for your time because you are an asylum seeker. I'm like, no, my time is more important to people that need my help. Yeah. So if you're going to take me out of the work that I do, then you need to give something to my organization. You know what yeah. I mean? Exactly. I cannot just go round, round, round. But otherwise, I would want to prioritize my time to give it to people that need me most, which is my community. But if he, I'm needed somewhere else, then I have to be compensated for that. That If I'm an asylum seeker, I can't be paid. Then that should be channeled to my organization, which will still help the people in my community because they need that support. Yeah. yeah. So I touched on that a bit, but it's a good thing that maybe we can explore it further and keep hitting on it. So, yeah. <laughs> so that he, until maybe we get to where we want to be. But I wanted to bring you back to where you talked, uh, you mentioned about him. Uh, um, the death in a hotel of a very young man. I think he was 21 or 23. Um, yeah, I'm not sure the age. Yeah, yeah, somewhere there, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it it is quite a sad thing. He had suffered a lot already from his country, um, uh, Sudan, and then he came over. He, they, you know, there were issues with him, but he. It seems from what we were reading and hearing, he didn't get the support that he was. Um, yeah he he needed and then the next thing we hear was that he was found uh lifeless in his room so that is that is sad but it's not like rare it's very common nowadays i don't even want to get started into what is going on even where i'm where i am where i live here in coventry so it is something that i feel like one, it, it, it needs to be stopped because we cannot continue to see young people dying in a country where we have arrived, where you feel like now I'm safe. Yeah, and I was going to say, um, yeah. don't mind my photo is frozen, but you can hear me talking, so don't worry about that. Okay. <laughs> so. Yeah, so I feel like there is a lot of work to do, especially in terms of how can human beings be valued as humans? Yeah. I know everyone gonna die, but what we are talking about here is the unnecessary deaths. Is these deaths that are preventable because someone could not access the support because of their immigration status, because they are still in the asylum, therefore they could not do this or that, the other. So I feel like yeah, there's a lot of work that needs to be done and a lot of awareness that needs to be uh, to be raised so that these statistics that we are talking about mm. should be reduced. Because for me, even one death is a death too many, especially if it's an early death, preventable death. Yeah. We don't, yeah, we we don't need things like that. I totally agree with you, Lorena, on this one because it's really hard. Um, I think lots of asylum seekers and refugees passed away during the lockdown mainly. And the one case in Glasgow, the one you're talking about, I only know like one or two, but I think the one person was shot by the police because he lost it from the hotel and then um, he was shot. Then the other ones, there's, yeah, there's a few cases in Glasgow, but I have not much information to every case what exactly happened but the other thing is i want to touch on is the mental health has been mental health has been ignored i mean what i mean ignored like uh, when someone suffers mental health even the organization and the projects they kind of like maybe we don't know what to do and you get cancelled you're no longer volunteering you know you know i mean there's there's so many of these uh, stigma uh, going on with as well especially in our communities and we need to talk about this because i think most of these uh, deaths, they are caused by something that could be avoided by someone talking to someone. But it's not happening much. Um, so it's quite, it's a difficult one uh, where we're living in. But for the police killing people, it happens everywhere in the world. But it shouldn't happen at all to anyone, especially on the refugees in the UK, in, in, in Amen. So that that's one part that it really makes me feel sad that no one is really doing much about it, you know, because oh, it's quite hard to uh, 
to go around it. You know, I mean, especially for myself, I can't really um, look at probably even you can't. You know, what I'm trying to say is the stigma it uh, being judged in our communities. It makes you not willing to talk how you feel, how you do, because you just you just bulk it in and just locked it in until explosion comes. Then that happens most of the time when you're under the home office hands. Then that's the loss of life. Shouldn't happen. Should it not happen? I think that's the. Uh, of course, my stand is people need people need to get support even before we lose our mental capacity. If we lose mental capacity, I think that's even more support that we need but like you're saying sometimes it's the opposite you lose mental support and then if you, your asylum has been diffused like we used to have a case here where people were saying ah no because he, he he's, he's not qualified you know this criteria and all that criteria stuff <clears throat> but at the same time you question to say do we not have a clause in way every adult person can have it doesn't matter your status but every person can be looked after by the social service if you are a vulnerable adult but yeah it's something that we we i think like the approach you took in terms of like raising awareness and talking about it we just need to keep hitting on it hitting on it and hitting on it until we get to where we 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 need to be which is a fairness and equal um Equal world that we all want to live in. Nobody should be stigmatized like you are saying because things are starting maybe to go this way or that way, and then the support stops. It can only get worse, isn't it? Because I think when I'm losing my mental, that's when I need more support because I will lose track of most of things. That's when I will need um, people to support me more so that I can get back to myself, you know. Yeah, but you mentioned about um, the what I included in this book. What I there is the um, do not let Bukhari be forgotten, which is a, a, a oh, one yes. from Sudan. But there is also another poem which is Lambs of Sacrifice, where I talk about a young man, uh, Mustafa, who I think he was waiting for his case for a decision and he wanted to help his mother so he got a job at a a gas station and then the immigration officers raided that place and um in the process the young man died he was a 23 year old yeah so it is it is all sad like i'm saying any death one death is death too many for me it is it is sad that we have to to write about death instead of writing about the happiness and you know how now our lives have changed or something like that something nice but instead we are also kind of like stuck with so many negative things that are happening around us so yeah we just have to keep campaigning keep speaking up keep um writing and publishing these books so that we can give a voice to ourselves because that has also been the driving force for me the first thing that i talked to you about um, the god i love my son thing that i did asylum seekers were saying she's talking about me she she's talking about my daughter she's so to me i was thinking 
if this woman is able to say about to talk about it now there must be other a lot of things that are happening to me that would speak to other women as well or to other men as well or to other asylum seekers as well so to me that was my driving force to say if i'm able to speak and someone is resonating say you are speaking about me um to me that was the most important thing so it was kind of like giving a voice to myself but as well as to others to talk about asylum issues that are mostly not talked about i totally agree with you lauren on this one again because this is how i created this platform the podcast is actually our voices to be heard so i think this is really a it matches exactly why we're here in this episode is to talk about things that matters in our communities in our groups as well in projects charities that's why i'm really proud about this podcast because this is where people gather and ever share what we think but i have um one question for you um i don't know if that's going to join up very well but do they ever thought about writing a poem towards rwanda system because Rwanda uh, system is been talking about um very very sick idea for the government of the UK that is going to deport people in Rwanda which means I find it really really not nice at all. I was wondering do you ever thought about writing a poem Rwanda? Oh goodness me. Yeah. So and because poetry helps me to write things that my thoughts basically. So yeah. I've never read this, like I'm saying, it's a, something that I wrote and dumped, but I know I have the poem called Rwanda. I'm just scrolling on my phone so I can no, get okay. to it. No, we've got, we've got plenty of, like, for me, it's no longer like before you have to be professional, everything, this, no. It is, oh, yeah, yeah. We That's, need to be natural, we're not like trying something hard. We, so. Yeah, we are human beings, eh? a lot of things. Okay, I've found it. Rwanda, so do you want me to read it? Please. It's, a, it's a short poem. The, the UK government has no shame. It's looking at victims to blame and introduced something so bad, a policy so lame that those who run away from persecution, death and destruction are better off in a land which barely 30 years ago had an ethnic cleansing genocide that raged and raved, setting fire and death to life, leaving a million ghosts that are now waking up. Waking up to another fright of troubled minds, running away from war and abuse, sharing Rwanda now with the estranged in a land with no recourse. The advert for Visit Rwanda has been taken too far, maybe it should be, if you are persecuted, go to Rwanda, not as a visitor, but as an asylum seeker, because you can't go to the UK. What's wrong with seeking asylum here? So it ends there. It's a short poem, but. That's powerful, Lorraine. That's another great poem there, Rwanda. I always wanted imagining this. Someone must be writing about this. You know what I mean? Because it's really um, sometimes negative um, policies, whatever it is, negative life can be turned to positive by writing like uh, what you just read there. It's really amazing. It's actually raising awareness. Um, raising awareness is not you have to be like super nice. But me, my question now uh, is, 
how would you encourage other people for example asylum seekers and refugees who are refused to actually stay strong in this uh, horrible system so it affects our mental well-being as well if we are just sitting and not doing anything at all so my advice is to keep busy keep doing things that you love doing and don't give up things do get better yes we've come from far we've gone through a lot we've suffered trauma in our countries we've suffered trauma in the journey as we're coming to the uk we are still uh, going through a different form of trauma while we are here but my only advice is don't give up oh nice things thing, things get better mm. but try and be doing stuff whatever you like whether for you if it's music if it's volunteering whatever you want to be busy with just be doing something so that you don't just stay and wait because that's dangerous like i talked about going to london college of communication to do journalism i was already an asylum seeker at the time 2018-2019 why because i wanted to be busy i wanted to be doing something so it can be a skill going to the college and i have been in i was in city college doing gcc but i already have master's degree but i know how important gcc is in this country i was like if i'm just staying at home i might as well go to college and when I went to that college, it was so rewarding because at the end of the year, my teacher gave me a certificate of the most focused student. So to me, it was like, I'm like, oh, yes, I've scooped the GSCE results, but also at the same time, there was something rewarding. And yeah, it, it, it just gives you satisfaction. But at the same time, it saved me from just sitting in my asylum room accommodation because I was in asylum room at, at the time and sitting there and cry day and night or just thinking about when shall i get my status when shall i get my status but if you are busy and he, yeah yes it's worse to be in the waiting position but if you are busy it helps a little bit with our mental health but at the same time you acquire some skills which you need when you get your paper yes um i know i'm frozen again but don't worry that's the, that's a really good advice um for me, a lot of people ask me, Nico, where do you get the strength of doing these things and stuff? Yeah. I think I was born stubborn, man. I don't believe that there's, there's nothing written paper that I cannot do anything. I cannot be a human being. Yeah, you know? um, yeah. I guess it's your character. So <laughs> you yeah. you are a fighter. You just want to, you know to to fight but also sometimes it's to to do with a number of things some some of us like i can talk about my case when i became homeless yeah. peace house gave me a room where to live some people if you become homeless you go in the street straight away so definitely how that homelessness would affect me and a, a, another person a friend who would go straight in the street would be different so sometimes it's also down to kindness and the generosity that we receive because to some you find help to some people it's quite just hard and so because life in the street can be extremely dangerous it, it, it even if you are someone who know that i'm a strong person i've gone through this challenge i've gone bigger challenges before but some things will just break us down like this time of the year is freezing and if you are outside all day all night 
for how long can you fight? So yeah, it's a number of things. And I think we just have to look for help. Keep looking for help. Sometimes one day you find what you were looking for as we are still waiting for our status. But the first mm. thing that for me I pray for is that the Home Office should give its status to everyone because you cannot live a life of suffering the way people are suffering at the moment. There need to be compassion. There's need to consider human life as important. And so that is my wish that if they can just give status to everyone who doesn't have it everyone who need it so that they also can live as human beings okay thank you again for your powerful words wisdom worth there supportive encouraging as well as then we are raising awareness on this episode but i'm now we're closing this episode by lauren reading us a poem please read us your favorite poem to close this episode then i'll be giving the full details at the end of this episode over to you, Lauren. How to walk with me. Accept me as I am. Be with me in my struggles. Converse with me. I'm human. Diligently and with dignity, engage with me. Every passing minute, we lose focus when we engage in hate. Greet me and light my spirit. Human I am, so are you. Indifference is not an option. Just like a beating heart, think not of stopping. Kill the, kill the state of knowing, be curious instead. Let me hold your hand and walk with me. My journey finishes when all are free. Nobody left behind, only holding each other's hands. Pity is not to be saved. For now, let's walk. Questions shall be answered revisited at the end for now let's walk soon we shall celebrate through all the barricades of systemic abuse until the end this walk is all we have victory or life our lives are on the line who really wants to live like this examined and inspected every day when reporting you wouldn't know it unless you walk with me so zero down with me and hold my hand for now let's walk thank you <laughs> thank you so much that was Lorraine Masia Maponela uh, came to talk to the podcast, Yakuma podcast, about her book, a uh, poetry book. It's called I Was Not Born a Sad Poet. It's powerful, beautiful, and moving, believe me. We discussed a lot of very good uh, interest topics during this episode. We met, we both have experience about living experience on our, as refugees and asylum seekers in the UK. 
And that's the purpose of the podcast, by the way. So if you think that uh, maybe this podcast can be useful for your project, your charity work, please keep in touch with me. And I can leave my email when I'm writing underneath Wednesday podcast, um, editing uh, the wedding for the podcast. So you can go to www.wetalkpodcast.co.uk to listen for more episodes. Uh, for Lorraine, I'm going to leave all the information after it's done on the wedding when I'm writing down everything. But thank you so much for listening and share it with your friends and your network. We are on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Google, and you can go to Twitter. You can go see us on Twitter, Siakulma Podcast on YouTube, and you can see you on Facebook, Siakulma We Talk Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. I'm there as Nikondo. So please check us out and share it.